Welcome to the Global Council podcast, where we share our latest insights on recent developments in politics and policy in the UK, Europe, and worldwide. Hello, everyone. I'm Bugira Kinadi, and I'm a Senior Associate in Global Council Singapore office. For today's podcast, we'll be discussing Indonesia's recently passed omnibus bill and key implications for foreign investment, labor reform, and also wider political issues such as Jokowi's legacy and other political considerations. The omnibus bill was passed recently on October 5th and is the most comprehensive rewrite of laws in Indonesia. Um, so the bill itself covers 11 broad areas and revises more than 70 existing laws. It is a very crucial part of President Jokowi's agenda to create jobs and boost investment in Indonesia during his second term, especially as the Indonesian economy struggles with the impact of the pandemic. So today I'm very happy to be joined by Kevin O'Rourke, who will be discussing the omnibus bill with me in more detail. Kevin is a very well-regarded political risk expert for Indonesia. He authors a weekly newsletter called Reformasi, focusing on Indonesian politics and policymaking. He's been doing uh, covering this newsletter for over 17 years now, and he has spent decades uh, focusing and studying Indonesian politics. So welcome, Kevin, to the podcast, and very great to have you here today. Yeah, thanks, Brigitte. Yeah, my pleasure. So I think let's dive right into our topic, um, to Indonesia's omnibus bill. Um, my first question um, and issue to discuss with you, Kevin, is since the passing of the omnibus bill last week, the reaction has been quite mixed. There are obviously some in Indonesia's business environment, such as the country's Chamber of Commerce and Industry, that have long advocated for the bill's passing to be accelerated and have welcomed it for resolving various issues, hampering investments, and also for streamlining bureaucracy in general. Labor unions and environmental groups, though, are clearly concerned about how this bill affects worker rights and also environmental protection laws. And we've seen this play out in the mass protests and strikes across Indonesia opposing the bill that has happened in the past week or so. Um, at the same time, though, I think to a certain extent, we can say that the protests have been expected. Past administrations in Indonesia have faced similar reactions whenever um, trying to make adjustments to more controversial labor laws. So Kevin, in your view, what has been the general reaction in Indonesia and what do you think we can infer from the scale and tone of the anti-omnibus bill protests so far? There is discontent, and uh, that was evident about a year ago as well, when there were some other economic laws that uh, Parliament attempted to pass, and uh, some of those were genuinely controversial or um, ill-considered. There's economic malaise, there's frustration with uh, a lack of opportunities uh, to increase living standards. And ironically, that's coming to the fore in these protests about this law, even though this omnibus law is specifically designed to address that by improving the investment climate, to bring in the capital that Indonesia needs, uh, to generate jobs and, and thereby improve opportunities. The government failed to communicate that very clearly. And then there's a lot of misapprehension that this law is uh, uh, shifting things in a zero-sum game to the benefit of capitalists at the expense of workers. And it does indeed curb uh, some very excessive benefits among a few unionized workers uh, who number several million, perhaps. 
but it does that in order to create opportunities for a far larger number of the working age population who number uh, about 165 million. Uh, but these uh, affected uh, unions are able to mobilize demonstrations that have been uh, quite unruly and uh, chaotic at times and in uh, a lot of different locations all around the country. And they're, they're still apparently happening. So Kevin, I think um, the question, or I think some um, an interesting kind of looking topic to delve into more is, is whether you see anything different about this current round of protests compared to maybe previous protests um, in the past in reaction to labor reform? Do you think in general, we can expect to see these protests die down fairly quickly? Or do you think this could be, could develop into a larger movement that the government should be more concerned about? Uh, yeah, it is important to monitor. I do expect them to subside um, uh, eventually. I don't think that they should be uh, prolonged for more than a couple of more weeks at the outset, yeah, at, the out, at the outmost. Uh, however, they are a little bit different from protests and demonstrations in the past, uh, so there's an element of uncertainty. There's no real institution or organization or uh, establishment entity which is fueling these uh, protests and demonstrations other than uh, confederations of labor unions. Uh, there really is a lot of spontaneity uh, because the participants include not just uh, unionized uh, workers, but also clearly uh, youths and uh, probably uh, underemployed people from the informal sector. And that's why I think that uh, it reflects just a general frustration uh, with uh, Indonesia's pace of development and then this year's downturn and, and the uh, uh, yeah, frustrations from the pandemic. I think we can now um, maybe move on to the bill itself and focus on some of the headline changes made in key areas. Um, maybe if you could go over some of the um, main changes in labor law reform and business regulations that would have a kind of key and direct impact for foreign businesses or investors um, looking into Indonesia. Well, corruption has always been the real problem in Indonesia legal uncertainty and unpredictability of legal system institutions as something that has bedeviled uh, investment and has held back Indonesia. Unfortunately, the omnibus law doesn't address any of that really. Uh, it uh, really overlooks uh, fundamental issues of institutional reform that Indonesia needs such as meritocracy in the uh, state apparatus and the civil service. However, what it aims to do is uh, uh, eliminate some of the unnecessary bureaucratic hurdles uh, for permitting uh, and also to especially relax rigidities in the regulatory framework for the labor market. And this is something that has been problematic for nearly 20 years now since the 2003 labor law, which uh, provided for very strong job security for unionized workers, especially and also uh, extremely uh, high job loss compensation payments uh, uh, that employers need to make. Uh, this ranked Indonesia third highest in the world. And so the omnibus uh, law reduces uh, job loss compensation 
uh, by 13% uh, uh, across the board, and in many cases by about 50%. And uh, that's compensation that never actually reached workers anyway. It was uh, very poorly implemented, so very few people ever actually benefited from the statutory obligation. But because it was in the statutes, it uh, warded off potential investment and it deterred capital inflows that Indonesia needed, especially in labor-intensive manufacturing like footwear and garments. Uh, and it, uh, the omnibus law uh, also uh, streamlines procedures for handling you know, workers, especially in carrying out dismissals and firings. Uh, and that makes it easier to hire people ultimately. So that those are the intentions. And so those are a couple of the center points of the law. And that should be pretty helpful actually uh, in helping to kind of create some uh, momentum for uh, a better environment for investment and labor intensive industry, and especially in certain regions where wages are still very competitive internationally, such as uh, central Java. Let's now go into another topic that would be of interest for foreign investors looking into Indonesia. The omnibus bill has mandated a liberalization of foreign ownership ceilings currently imposed on many economic sectors. Unfortunately, the omnibus bill itself only changes laws, not regulations. So right now, there are no changes yet to the list of restricted or banned sectors, or what is more commonly known as the negative investment list. The Indonesian government has pledged to make changes after the bill was passed, although it remains to be seen how significant these revisions will be. Can you go over the next steps of this process on a separate presidential regulation that will further detail the economic sectors that will be opened up for private investment and also the general timeline for that? Sure. Yeah. Uh, the um, spirit of the law is to encourage you know, revision of the negative investment list on foreign ownership ceilings and to open up uh, more sectors. The last such revision of the list was in 2016, and that one was a little bit disappointing. Uh, there's There have been successive revisions uh, since uh, 2007. And typically they tend to disappoint. Uh, the process is highly susceptible to influencing from the uh, specific uh, business association affected by uh, increased foreign competition. So uh, I'm skeptical that the Widodo administration will follow through with the uh, dramatic uh, revision of the list that they have promised. Uh, instead, it may, ver may just be piecemeal. Um, but uh, yeah, every little bit helps. Um, and uh, there are some opportunities to uh, uh, improve uh, uh, efficiency uh, through uh, some international investment in uh, logistics, for example, and also transportation uh, um, and uh, energy. So those are the, the areas to look at, I think. For our last focus area, I wanted to talk a little bit about President Jokowi. Um, the president sees this bill as a very important initiative uh, to cut red tape, boost investment in Indonesia, and ultimately help transform the country to become a uh, developed country by 2045, and also become one of the world's five biggest economies by then. So he will see this bill's passing as a major success. But at the same time, as we discussed earlier, the backlash and protests that have happened um, in light of those situations, he will have to be in his handling um, and his response of, of these protests. 
and it would be um, important for him to diffuse the situation quite quickly. So I wanted to, to get your thoughts on, on why you think he decided that this was the right time to push the bill forward, um, especially you know, during a period when many Indonesians have lost their jobs and incomes due to the pandemic. What do you think were some of the political calculations behind his decision? Sure, yeah, there's an old saying, which is that bad times make good policy in Indonesia. And that's a, a reflection of the fact that uh, policymakers have appreciated the need for reform to uh, generate future growth. And right now there's a, a intense interest in trying to engineer a V-shaped recovery instead of a prolonged uh, recovery. And uh, having this law in place uh, intends to facilitate that. Uh, it's being interpreted, unfortunately, as something that makes layoffs easier and therefore jeopardizes current job holders at a precarious time for them. When in fact, I don't really see that happening because uh, it's uh, more about uh, creating opportunities and bringing in potential new investment. Uh, incumbent investors that are already here are uh, typically uh, uh, secure and, and, and solid and durable. Um, the, the key that Indonesia really needs is to uh, attract uh, newcomers because the manufacturing sector has been shrinking as a percentage of GDP for many years now. But in fact, for an emerging market economy, it should be increasing. The problem with the demonstrations and the protests is that it may intimidate the president uh, with regards to imp implementing regulations that need to come forth. The law mandates a host of these regulations to set forth detail that's needed. Uh, and uh, if the uh, protests and demonstrations continue, then the president may be reluctant to really follow through with uh, the final details needed to cement the uh, impact of this law. In, in light of kind of the, the public backlash and the protests that have happened um, since the bill has been passed, I think we've seen some interesting statements from um, parties that voted against the bill, such as the Democratic Party, and also some perhaps political rivals of Jokowi's. I think this is quite interesting for its implications for the um, likely candidates for the 2024 presidential race. Um, do you, how do you, how have, in your view, how has political rivals of Jokowi's responded to the bill's passing? And do you see um, up and coming players in the 2024 presidential race trying to capitalize on the backlash against the omnibus bill? Yes, that's been interesting because uh, there's uh, several uh, governors of major provinces who are potential successors to Widodo in 2024. Uh, opinion polls show a clear preference among voters for candidates who have experience in uh, executive office, such as a uh, gubernatorial post. So the, the three in particular are uh, Central Java's Ganjar Pranowo, West Java's Ridwan Kamil, and Jakarta's Anis Baswedan. And what's interesting is that uh, when the protests happened, uh, 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 Anis Baswedan in Jakarta took a, a very non-committal stance. Uh, Ridwan Kamil, in contrast, sided with the workers and demanded that the government retract the omnibus law. And uh, Ganjar Pranowo in central Java uh, encouraged the 
protesters to learn more about it and, and especially encourage the government to explain the bill and express confidence that that could resolve matters. So the three different governors have taken quite different approaches and uh, it's a little bit uh, um, distressing to see that uh, Ridwan Kamil has uh, so uh, swiftly sided with uh, unions on this particular issue, given that the unions are really the tiny minority, but they're by far the most vocal group when in fact, you know, it's the vastly larger number of informal sector workers who need good jobs who would benefit from this law. Uh, until now, Camille has been, in my mind, the foremost reformer uh, to be in the presidential contest next time. Uh, in this case, he's uh, dabbling in populism, I think. Thank you, Kevin. I think that was very interesting. Um, unfortunately, we've run out of time. So that's all we have for today's podcast. Um, but Kevin, I'd like to thank you again for your time and for sharing these very valuable insights on Indonesia and repercussions of the recently bill. It was a pleasure. For more insights, blogs, and analysis, you can visit our website, www.global-council.com and subscribe to our mailing list. And you can follow us on Twitter at global underscore council.